With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This has the, the opportunity for the greatest turnaround in college football exists here today, and it's not one to be taken lightly. will field it at the 5, to the 10, pass the numbers to the 20, 25, look out, 30. He's at the 40, to the midfield strike, to the 40, down the far sideline, 10, 5, to the house, Wildcat touchdown for Tremaine Thompson. Welcome to Bring on the Podcast. Here's your host, A. Hernali. Welcome to another episode of Bring On The Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson, and really happy to have Derek Smith back for the first time in a while. Derek, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, and since... How are, how are you doing, Luke? Oh, you know, pretty good, as it can be at this point in the season, anyway. Yeah, yeah. But K-State plays this Saturday, and it is at 11 a.m. start, playing against Oklahoma State, so we've brought in site manager of Cowboys Ride for Free. Micah Allen. Micah, how are you? I'm doing good, doing good. Hanging in there, hanging in there. That's good. And so, I mean, it seems like, you know, there's been a lot of similarities so far for, for these two teams, most of them not good. You know, I, I think we we had a lot of expectations, at least within the fan bases, but sort of underperforming. The, the, the main difference to me so far is Oklahoma State actually showed some potential of being good on the field in at least one game, and that, that the big win over Boise. And so, I don't know, Micah, does, does that make it even worse for you, knowing that, that you know they, they did that, and now here they are, having lost two of three? After what's happened since the Boise State game, it makes me feel like Boise State was just overrated. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think at this point since everything that's happened has happened after that game, I don't think that that win is as awesome as we thought it was when it happened. Okay. But, you know, it does kind of make it sing even a little bit more, thinking of that's what that team could look like, yeah. you know, and it just hasn't in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I do want to want to point out that it feels like maybe a little bit of karma, but also it's kind of a little bit of prescience on one of your writers, I think it's Robert, um, that wrote his power rankings, and at the bottom, he just put K-State, Iowa State, and KU all together and said, I quote, these three teams suck. If you want credit for being the worst in the Big 12, you'll need to lose more than you already have. But then he also added, this, of course, also means OSU could lose to two of them. 
I thought that was pretty funny. I I legit almost totally forgot about that little part of that post. And that, honestly, okay, yeah. I'm not liable for anything Robert says from this point forward. So, I mean... Yeah, yeah. So, so what do you point to as the biggest issues in the, in the last three games? Or I don't know if you want to count the KU game as, as a bad game, but she did win technically, but it was KU. So, honestly, it's game plan. I don't think Mike Gundy and Mike Gerchich are game planning the way they need to. And on top of that, it's the in-game adjustments. They've been afraid to deviate from the game plan that they make up in-game, and I think that's that's hurt us a lot. I think that they're both very stubborn in what they want to do during a game, despite it not necessarily being the best whenever you actually get in that situation. So I honestly think that's Oklahoma State's biggest blow. And I'm not exactly super happy with our quarterback right now <laughs> um, I I want I want them to give another quarterback a shot but I don't necessarily I'm not one of those fans that necessarily is under the impression that it's all yeah uh, and I, I kind of wanted to yeah, talk about that actually so I was previously in Shreveport Louisiana covering high school football so I went to a lot of Keandre Woodsy games and I believe he's your second string quarterback now right um, he's actually at like he's like fourth or fifth string oh, now. Okay, whatever. It goes, it's Cornelius, and then depending on the week, it's either Spencer Sanders or Drew Brown, or it'll just say like either one of them in any like not in an order, and then Keandre. So I guess he's yeah he's third string. Okay, depending on how they do, how they handle. Brown and Sanders. Okay. So when you say you'd like to see another quarterback shot, and you have one in mind, or you just feel like somebody else can do better than Cornelius? I'm not one of those people that wants to put Spencer Sanders out there. I honestly feel like if he was ready, Gundy would put him out. So I want to see Drew Brown. I want to see what he can do being the guy with the most experience. Technically, I would love to see what he do. Okay. Okay. And so, I mean, given all that... What, what you're saying about Gundy and the game plans, you know, how much are, are people turning against Gundy and the coaching staff right now? There are still that group of the fan base that is, you know, in Gundy we trust. They, they think that he has something in mind. But then there's a, what I would say is the majority of the fan base that just is, not necessarily saying he should be fired, but is saying, okay, it's time to try something different. You know, this this isn't working. We need something else. So as a whole, our fan base is not very happy with Mike Gundy right now. But, you know, we're not, I don't necessarily see a lot of calling for his head yet. Okay. Well, Derek, I sure can't imagine what, what that's like. Can you? No, not at all. I, I have no idea. We're so happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, to what degree do you think Mike's war with the press and with the fans has to do with what, what you guys are going through this year? So we've talked a lot about this as a staff, and 
if you look, there's a pattern with Mike Gundy where when the team is winning, he's like very happy-go-lucky with the media. He's you know making jokes, all that kind of stuff. But when he turns and the team is not doing very well, it it does a complete 180, where you know he's doing what he's doing with you know saying that they can't ask about Jalen McCluskey. Mm-hmm. You know, or they'll use their availability and different stuff like that. Or, you know, I mean, even if you look back to the 2014 season, the 2014 season got really rocky with Mike Gundy and the media. So I think his mood with the media is definitely highly dependent upon how the team is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you say try something different, but you say not necessarily calling for his head, what what do you think something different would be? I feel like there's, there's more people that to get rid of Mike Yurtich than want to okay. get rid of Mike. Um, okay. There's a lot, there's quite a few people that are calling for a new offensive coordinator. And with the the past couple of games, the way that our defense has played, there's also people saying that we should have never fired Glenn Spencer and replaced him with Jim Knowles. But, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, you said you, you guys were wanting a new defensive coordinator. Now you have one and you're unhappy. So, like, <laughs> what... I feel like our fan base is just one of those that can't decide what it wants. So it's very, it's very divided and it's very changes upon the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you do have Bob Stitt as an offensive analyst. He could probably fit in there as a good <laughs> offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, he would be my choice. If your judge does end up getting the boot, Bob Stitt is definitely who I want to be the person to replace him. Yeah, I figure he can do that for a year before he comes to replace Bill Snyder at K-State. <laughs> there you go. I'm just worried right now. <laughs> yeah. And what about, so, uh, first, well, first of all, I want to say I saw today that um, apparently it came out that Joe Bob Clements has a Kansas State tattoo on his shoulder. So do you worry about him going into this week, your offensive line coach? I... What? I, I have not heard this. Yeah, it was a Pistol Spiring blog mentioned it. It was part of the teleconference or something. <laughs> That's interesting. I had no idea. I, I have no idea what affiliation even has to K-State. Oh, he was at Kansas State before he came to. Yeah, he, and it was, that's where he went to school, right? Yeah, he played yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I didn't, I mean, I knew a little bit about him, but I didn't know a whole lot. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's crazy. <laughs> that's interesting. Like, is he going to sabotage us? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Uh, it gave me some hope. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he would do that because I feel like he wants a job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but, yeah. I mean, no, that's, that's definitely interesting. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Uh, yeah, so Kansas State has had some issues um, with, uh, Snyder overruling his coordinators and, you know, basically some a lot of dissension with the staff. And it's, you know, they keep things pretty close, so it's tough to tell how much of that is true and what, what all is going on. Um, but there's certainly some discontent there. Um, do you get any sense of that with Oklahoma State? I don't think our locker room is super great right now. Mm-hmm. I think the players are frustrated. I think the coordinators are frustrated. I think Gundy is frustrated. I think everybody is just very on edge with each other right now. Gundy has 
put a lot of the blame for things that have gone wrong this season on our O-line. But uh, if you listen to, there's a guy named Adam Lunt, and he has a podcast called Tape Doesn't Lie, mm-hmm. where he has literally gone over every, pretty much every single offensive play this season and has tallied which ones are actually the O-line just not doing their job hmm. and which ones are Taylor Cornelius and which ones are Justice Hill not doing what he needs to do. And he's kind of gone through and a majority of the blame that's been put on, that's been put on our O-line is very undeserving in my opinion. I don't think that there's as much of a problem with our O-line as people think. So, like I said, I just feel like there's a lot of the finger getting pointed in all directions, you know. While I don't think there's necessarily a lot of overruling going on, I definitely feel like there is some discontent and some unhappiness in our locker room right now. Okay. Considering Gundy's comments, I think it was today, about Spencer Sanders, that he doesn't like to play freshman quarterbacks because they're prone to injury, Hmm. I I take that as a slight against the O-line. Because I don't think I don't think freshmen are any more prone to injury than any other people. I think that's Gundy's coach speak for Spencer Sanders isn't ready yet. Yeah, I don't actually think that's what he meant. To like that's what he meant by what he said. I think, like I said, I think it's it's coaches speak for this player is not ready yet, so I'm not going to play him. Yeah, I found that pretty odd because I mean it's football. <laughs> Everybody everybody's prone to injury. I was going to say yeah, like what about his age makes him more prone to getting hurt than anyone else that's interesting yeah <laughs> so, but you know i I, t- I tend to take everything gundy says right now at this very moment with a grain of salt <laughs> yeah so yeah we just have bill snyder who doesn't even answer questions with any substance at all, so. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing to take or sometimes not at all yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know someone made the joke that uh he should come out and say I'm a man. I'm almost 80. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I would, I would die. <laughs> that, that, oh, my. That would be hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we thought we were thinking there for a while that we were going to get another blow up with the media from Gundy after what happened with not being able to ask about Dale McCluskey. Mm-hmm. I really thought that we were going to get I think right now what he's doing is he's trying, with all his faults, Gundy is the kind of coach that really does care about his players. And I feel like what he's doing right now is trying to steer the media away from the team and pointing the media toward himself. So I think that that's kind of his tactic right now. He's trying to, like I said, get as much of the negative focus away from the team with the media as well. So you're telling me that he's trying to get them to come after him because he's a man and yeah. he's he's no, what? He's like fifty now. Is that right? Yeah, he's a, yeah. actually he's like fifty-one, I think. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Bill Snyder turned but, seventy-nine uh, yesterday. No, it's Sunday. So he's yeah. got a year, man. Yep. I'm a man eighty. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, uh, we'll see if he's still around. No, he'll probably still be around because yeah. <laughs> He just signed a five-year contract. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, if we could talk about Bill Snyder a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll start. Um, I, just say, I guess, I don't know. It, it's When he came back, it was always kind of, you know, because we had no reason to, to believe otherwise. I sort of trusted him to, oh, he'll, you know, calm the waters, as he said. You know, maybe he's doing well there. But 
he'll know when it's time to leave because he's Bill Snyder. He, he knows everything, right? And I don't know, sometime in the last probably two or three years, maybe even longer, it's become clear that that is not true. And I, yeah. we've talked about it before, especially with the thing of him wanting Sean to take over. There's just no way this ends well at this point. And I don't know, it's really sad to see. And it. it's, and this, I don't know, you may disagree with me on this, but I feel like it's almost worse for, I'm not, I'm not feel as bad for the program as I feel for his legacy. Because of everything he's built, and now if he's gonna, you know, go out in this way, if he's remembered in that way, I think that, that would be really sad. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we had this conversation somewhere, not you and I, but a group of people, where we sort of talked about he's built enough legacy up where he will probably be okay, I mean, unless something really scandalous comes out in the next year or so. Right. But yeah, it's not great. And I wonder, I know that he knows when he wants to leave. And that's when uh, Gene Taylor agrees to hire Sean as head coach. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to happen, I don't think. I don't think anyone wants that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I think one of two things will happen. Either Gene will hire Sean or Bill will die as head coach at K-State. Yeah. I really believe that. Yeah, and Ty and I had had this discussion, and it's it's really morbid, and it sounds crazy, but yeah, that that kind of seems like it's where we are right now. I mean, at one point, so I was I was hoping, you know, maybe maybe there's someone he trusts enough that could tell him, "Hey, Bill, it's, it's time to step down." But it's pretty clear at this point that, that that there's no one who is in that position. Yeah, I think there was only one person under him last year that probably would have said that, and that was Dana Demmel. And he might have, and that might be why he's gone now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't think any of the current, current coordinators would say that. I don't think anybody on the staff would say that. I don't think that there's anybody right now in, in Bill's inner circle that is going to tell him it's time to leave. So I think he's there until either Gene fires him, which I don't see happening, or he kicks the bucket. So, yeah. That makes me so sad <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of the situation we're in right now it, it's it's not fun yeah yeah because i think Derek, we're, we're in agreement like you, you can't just fire bill snyder right yeah i mean you could and i don't know that there would be a huge based on what i'm hearing i don't know i mean my world's pretty insulated with people that actually pay attention and understand the inner workings of college football i understand there's a lot of people in Kansas, especially out West, that will love Bill Snyder forever and ever, no matter what he does. So there's probably a lot of that. And I can imagine if Gene fired him, you'd get a lot of outrage from that group of people. But I don't think it would be that big of a, like... Well, but let's be honest. I mean, it's not us and the people we talk to that matter. It's the big-time donors that matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and I, you know, and... All, all signs point to those people still being perfectly content with the with the state of things, as long as Bill says it's okay. So it's you know, but there's you know there's some other things. I mean, the guy forgot the name of his backup kicker last week. Uh, you know, he's forgetting. I, I think Kellis said on the radio a couple of weeks ago that he asked him about a certain play, and he was almost certain that Bill didn't know which play he was talking about. There's a lot going on right now that people are very concerned about. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some, so. 
Micah, I don't know if you want to step in. What's your take from the outside? I mean, how do you look at the case study Bill Snyder situation? From my heart side of things, I really hope that he does a Matt Brown situation and sees the writing on the wall and retires. Uh-huh. But I also can see, like you guys are talking about, him passing away as head coach of K-State. I feel like either one of those situations makes sense. And also, I mean, from another side of it, you know, he might get fired. You know, like y'all guys are talking about, y'all's fan base would not be completely and utterly outraged if he did. So we'll just have to see what happens, I, think, I guess. I think uh-huh. it's, it's hard to fire the guy who, you know, you, you drive in on his highway to his stadium with his statue out front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard. And you know, uh, there's one thing I've learned about Bill in the past two weeks that I didn't know prior. It was how stubborn he can be. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know, talking to I talked to Curry Sexton last week for a story I did, and you know, everything that we had posited about Bill and his constant search for Michael Bishop is true. And he does not give up. He'll keep trying to push that train until he finds that guy. Yeah. And I think if Alex Delton hadn't gotten hurt in the Texas game, he probably would have started last week or at least played significant snaps. And it's just, you know, he's he's stubborn. And I think he, that level of stubbornness is going to go on until somebody agrees to hire Sean as head coach. So, Yeah, it'll be interesting. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk with, with Nick Leckie about this in a couple of weeks when KZ has a bye week. It'll be interesting to see what Nick has to say. He's always very candid and you know, yeah. but obviously has a whole lot of respect for Bill, as as is anybody who's played for him. Uh, yeah, I'll be interested to hear what Nick has to say because I was following him on Twitter during the game Saturday, and he, you know, was really really happy for a long time, and then he got real quiet. So, yeah. well, related <laughs> to that, so I don't, I'm not trying to knock on Nick here, but um, because I mean, it sounded reasonable at the start of the year. He was talking about we got these new young coordinators in. There's a lot of energy. And he said, K-State's going to go out and win the Big 12. <laughs> so I don't, why do you think that hasn't worked out as far as the energy infused by the... By the I, think, I think that uh, it's just too early. I really do. I think, it, you know, everything they've done so far, Joe Bob's done, or not Joe Bob, uh, Blake Siler's done a couple of things that are a lot different than what Tom Hayes tried to do. But the offense is essentially the same. It hasn't looked a lot different than what it was under Demo and Miller, so I, I just think it's a lot. It's pretty early, and they're trying to slowly work in their changes and get the players under them that they're you know that they're comfortable with, and get everybody comfortable in the system. Because you know, you imagine what it's like for Skyler right now, not knowing week to week if he's going to be playing or starting, or you know when he's going to get pulled, and even with Alex Hurd, I'm not sure. It's any safer. So I, I think oh, I don't know if that's true. And I mean, I th- I feel like last week kind of put a dent in the theory that Skyler plays better when he knows he's not going to get pulled. Like I I don't know. I feel like when you're a college quarterback, you know, you you should be able to mostly look past that stuff, and that that shouldn't affect your play too much. I've always been skeptical of that. Yeah, I don't know. I just have a hard time thinking that not knowing that the team is yours for sure every week would not have an effect. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Maybe you're right. It's just, you know, I've, I've heard that from a lot of places, including players, but not quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So 
mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Well, and I guess so. Mike, back to you. The the quarterback situation. I mean, it was a like in August, early August. You guys didn't really know who was going to be your starter, right? But then Taylor sort of became solidly number one. So Gundy strongly alluded to it at Big Twelve Media Day. He was going to be the starter. They okay. he said that Taylor was the guy, but he also said, you know, that there. People like Drew Brown wasn't there yet at that point. I'm almost positive. So well, he was saying at Big 12 Media Days that they did have some other quarterbacks that they wanted to evaluate and go from there. And then, like you were saying, in August is when he kind of officially, Gundy officially said, I want to say it was their first media availability. Gundy said that he was going to be the starter until. I'm pretty sure until something proved different. And at this point, he hasn't. I don't think Taylor Julius <laughs> in and of himself has lost us a game. And until that happens or until he gets hurt, Cornelius is our starter. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, what has the Oklahoma State running game look like? You always think of Oklahoma State as a passing team, but, but really, they've had some. <laughs> Really good running backs, and Joseph Randall and blanking on the other guy's name. But you know, what's that look like this year with, with Justice Hill? Certainly had some big games last year, but how's he doing this season? Uh, I think they're starting to figure out what they want to do with Justice this year. They weren't giving him as many carries at the beginning of the season as I would have wanted wanted them to. But in the KU game, he had. 31 for an insane amount of yards. And I feel like that was kind of where their eyes were opened and they were like, okay, let's get the ball to the best player on our team. And it was like, thank God. But, you know, on the other hand, you do have a, a lot of other solid running backs with Chuba Hubbard and J.D. King in there as well. L.D. Brown has been injured this season, but I feel like coming back this season, I feel like he could also be a weapon as far as our run game goes. And we also had a lot of injuries to our inside receivers. We're down to walk on who got a scholarship last year. Dylan Stoner was out, but I think I think he played last week. He did, so he's back, but just recently back. And I I don't even know if he's 100. percent so you've got a little bit of a dent to that inside receiver spot, and I think that having a good stable of running backs would help with that, uh, as well as, you know, like you were saying, with Taylor Cornelius not being the greatest passing running back, having a solid stable of running backs helps with that too. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier with Mike Gundy and Mike Yurchich not necessarily loving switching their the, – when you have an offense for so many years that's based around your quarterback – and you have to change that, that's tough to do. And I think that they I think that's another part of our struggles this season is is having to having Mike Richards and Mike Gundy with the mindset of we still have an audience we have to have an offense based on the quarterback because that's what we've done all these years. But when you don't necessarily have a quarterback that you can base an offense around, you know, you have to you have to switch to them. And I think that that's what they're starting to do with our run game and our running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Derek is man, funny. I'm looking at I'm looking at some statistics here. 
And first of all, against Missouri State, Justice Hill had a 92-yard run that wasn't a touchdown. That's weird. <laughs> I want to say there was like a hold in the back or something. Okay. That's but, strange. But, but anyway, you... yeah, he had 10 carries, 9 carries, 15 carries, 12 carries, and then 31. Wow. And in three of those games where he had under 15, 15 and under carries, he went for over 8 yards a carry, including <laughs> 12 yards of carry against Missouri State. So that's it's good to wake it up to to see what he can do. Yeah, whenever Justice Hill gets the football, good things happen. Yeah. yeah. I felt well, like it was a similar thing with Alex Barnes. I mean, he got season-high 22 carries, of course, he went for 250 <laughs> yards. But I don't know about you, Derek. I still felt like they could have given it to him more on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Oh, so many times. So many times <laughs> more. Yeah, there was a, a couple of three-and-outs where, where Skyler threw three passes. And it's just... It made no sense. Yeah. And even if it wasn't so, Barnes, like, give Wormack the ball. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not good. At least he hasn't shown to me a good between the tackles runner. Sure. But, like, get him in space and he's he's going to go somewhere like he did on that pass earlier. Yeah. Or Skyler's, late in the game. There. Skyler's best pass of the game, by the way. Yeah, yeah. See, so. and I feel like that's a – that's a big thing with Cornelius too. Is Cornelius can run? Like he he can he can give you a quarterback sneak. For a, you know, I just don't feel like they put him in spots to do that enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw Skyler can run a little bit too. I mean, yeah. let's talk about his speed. <laughs> I've never. I don't know that I've ever been more shocked by a play in a K-State game than I was after that play. I was like, wow. I mean, even the announcer said, he looked faster than Barnes on that play. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kept thinking, like, this is great, but he's totally going to get tackled. And then, like, right up until the goal line, like, I thought, he's going to get tackled. And nope. Sure enough. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. He, then he had some other plays though. Like every deep ball was bad, and then I I still the the pass to Barnes that that's the one that has to be haunting. Him. Yeah, that's not yeah, that, That's that's probably going to be haunting him for the rest of his football career. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine. I don't know if you were watching Micah. Probably not. But essentially, Alex Barnes was the only player on one side of the field, and he was yeah. what, ten yards away. Yeah, he ran a wheel route and yeah. nobody followed him. He was wide open and like Skyler just sailed it like yeah. three yards over his head and he got his yeah. fingertips on it. But in case case eight ended up not scoring on that drive. Yeah, yeah. It's in my world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then on the next drive, Baylor drove down and kicked the field goal to win the game. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty depressing. Yeah, and I mean yeah. we have. The thing about Oklahoma State is you have a wider you have wide receivers like Tylen Wallace that can you know help him out a little bit and go reach for that ball, but at some points, you know, it just there's nothing he can do. There's nothing Tylen Wallace can do. You know, uh-huh. it's, yeah. it's going over his head. And I feel like a lot of there definitely is some of the, the the plays that people say you know oh that was a great deep ball from Cornelius. Eh, was it really though? Like his wide receiver <laughs> helped out. A lot. <laughs> that, that must be nice to have. A- yeah. <laughs> can do that. yeah. We don't have a lot of wide receivers that can help. It's just, you know, sometimes I just think it's not fair when you get to replace a wide receiver like James Washington with a guy like Tyler Wallace. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and that's the kind of guy, yeah, too. We like, we saw K-State on Saturday. The, 
they just do not have the defenders who can match up with a guy like Jalen Hurd or, or Denzel Mims, who are just those, those stud athletes. And mm-hmm. it goes back to the recruiting that we've talked about a lot and everybody's talked about, so we won't get into it that much here. But if Oklahoma State has those guys, they're going to have a big game on Saturday because K-State doesn't have guys that can guard them. So. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. We have guys that can reach up for it and make good plays. But this year, we don't have what I would consider a tall wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure our tallest wide receiver this year is, like, 6'3". Mm-hmm. That seems pretty tall. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you'll be happy to know that, that there's no one like Byron Pringle on the roster. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, Micah, how much should K-State fans take away from uh, the Iowa State game? I I think they should take away the fact that we still have issues with special teams. That wasn't our worst game this season on special teams, but there definitely was some moments. Like <coughs> the, I want to say it was either the first, it was a it was a punt early in the game that only ended up going like 15 yards, (laughs) something crazy like that. But yeah, so we're still struggling on special teams. We are still making a lot of adjustments defensively wise. Uh, Jim Knoll has a lot to learn about the Big 12. But I mean, he is is learning and it, it is getting better in some parts and worse in others, I feel like. And then... We don't have the greatest passing game this year. That's our that's our biggest takeaways. Uh-huh. I want to talk about. I'm sorry, Micah, but you know, K State's offense hasn't been great, but they, they, they scored some points last week, and Oklahoma State gave up 48 points to Iowa State without David Montgomery, <coughs> and Iowa State's offense has has struggled to put it mildly. So, like, is this a game where, where K State can probably score some points? Is it? I mean. How did Iowa State do so offensively? The tackling was terrible. They just weren't sticking with their guys. And we do we have a really, really young backfield, as well as <laughs> you've got a defense that was recruited as a certain kind of defense that's now playing a completely different kind of defense. You've got... Glenn Spencer, who recruited for your 3-5 defense, and then you've got Jim Knowles, who runs a 4-2-5. And I feel like at this point, it's a lot of the players that he has that he was given when he got there aren't necessarily the kind of players that can play in his defense. So I feel like that has a lot to do with it. And then I also feel like they got tired. I feel like their offense weren't wasn't helping them out with getting off the field quickly. Uh, I feel like they were, you know, they would get off the field and be right back out there. So I feel like that kind of contributed too. They were just tired as well. So. Mm-hmm. And what about, I mean, they lost Darian Daniels for the season, right? And he's a pretty key player. How much did they, did they miss him? I mean, I feel like Darian Daniels is a player that, like you said, he's big, but he's not. We're, we're pretty, we're pretty deep at that defensive end spot or yeah defensive end I feel like Enix Smith Jr. is 
a really good replacement for him. So I feel like while it does suck to lose Darren Nails for the season, I feel like all in all, they're going to be okay. Okay. Yeah, real quick, Mike, I want to take issue with your comment that uh, Oklahoma State doesn't have any tall receivers because I'm looking at the roster and ESPN has Jelani Woods listed at 6'7". <laughs> He's technically not a wide receiver. Oh, okay. Okay. I wondered about that because they haven't listed as wide receiver, but he's 6'7", 250. I was like, that guy's got to be a tight end. So, so. He's, yeah, he's listed as a wide receiver, I believe, or maybe just an athlete, and then they moved him to... Yeah, because I was looking through all this, and it was like 5'10", 6'5", and then it was like 6'7", and I was like, wow, that guy's pretty tall. Or I guess technically, technically he's, a, he's a cowboy back, which is like a... a, a tight end hybrid type player. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so. Yeah, the famous Oklahoma State Cowboy back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, let's look, looking forward a little bit, kind of before we, we let you go, as you probably noticed, you know, uh, optimism is not running very high in Kansas State's camp these days. Essentially, the, the only argument is whether or not K-State can beat KU at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the record, I, I think I think K State will still win that game, but we'll see. I don't know, but Oklahoma State's got about this game, and then Texas at home next week looks a lot tougher now. But then after that, you go to Baylor. I mean, is there a sense this team can still get back on track, or or are you guys in a dark place too? To me, this feels like a twenty four. This feels like twenty fourteen all over again, where we don't do very well all season, but for some God knows why reason, we come up and we figure out a way to win Bedlam <laughs> or West Virginia or one of those big games, and it's to go bowling. I feel like at this point we are going to be – there is going to be a game at the end of the season that's going to be determining whether or not we go. Okay. Uh, I think we can still – I don't want to say salvage because I don't feel like – if you're Oklahoma State, your fans' goals is to just go to a bowl game. But at this point, I feel like it, it can it can end with a winning record. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched anything outside highlights this year from Oklahoma State. But from what I see, it seems like you're a team that can win spectacularly or lose spectacularly any week. Exactly. <laughs> you know which one's going to show up. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, Derek. I'm looking forward to turning my attention to basketball after Thanksgiving weekend. So Yeah, yeah. For once, this is probably the first year I will ever say that. <laughs> I'm actually excited about basketball for the first time. Me too. I'm like, when this is the first time I'm like, when's basketball? Because <laughs> <laughs> you've, got, you've got some really good basketball players. Yeah. some really good players coming on our team in basketball that I'm looking forward to watching. Cool. Well, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll have you back on the podcast then. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so, but before we let you go, do you want to you wanna make a prediction for Saturday? I don't think it's going to be incredibly high scoring. Mm-hmm. Let's go 21-28 Oklahoma State. They win by touchdown. Okay. I, I think, I don't know, I'd almost be happy with that at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 
I'm not that optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, be sure to check out the coverage. At Bring on the cats and Cowboys ride for free. And, and Micah, is there a Twitter where people can follow you? At Micah Allen, eighteen. M I C A H A L L E N eighteen. Okay. And then also you can follow the main account at Cowboys RFF. Yeah, you, you just graduated from Oklahoma State, right? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, you it's a pretty good time to be there, football-wise. Yeah, I did. I did. Got to see about the Lynn before I graduated. Wasn't at home, but, you know. My little sister played on the soccer team a while ago, like before you were there. But uh, did you ever get to any soccer games? Yes, I did. I actually, I went to a couple. I went to, like, two or three. Okay. And I covered one for one of my classes. Oh, nice. Because they were good again last year, right? They won the Big 12 title? Yes, they did. Okay. Cool. <laughs> K-State soccer also, is a start of the really, yeah, They so. also just have a really fancy new stadium, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not only is K-State football struggling, but volleyball and soccer have yet to win a conference game, a match, whatever. Mm. So, not, not <laughs> ideal. Man, Luke, you just gotta gotta <laughs> depress me right there at the end. Yeah. Well, Micah, thanks so much for coming on and joining us. Thank you for having me. It. Yeah. Uh, have a good one. Hopefully, it's a, it's a fun game to watch Saturday. We'll see. I'm hoping so too. <laughs> thanks, Derek. Yeah, yeah. It's good to be here. Yeah. Luke so yeah, I